Welcome to Local Gov Matters, the podcast that talks about the latest issues facing Wisconsin, be it counties, cities, villages, and towns. I'm Michelle Thompson of the Wisconsin Counties Association. And I'm Gail Sumi of the League of Wisconsin Municipalities. In this podcast, we discuss what's happening at the Capitol and in communities around the state. You'll hear from local and state officials, other experts, and advocates. We'll provide the local impact of state legislation and insights into how local government works and how it impacts you. It's the background, the stories, and even some insider-based that will frame the issues and make it worth your listen. So whether you're sitting at your desk, driving in your car, or getting in your steps on the treadmill, we are thrilled you have joined us. Let's get started. Welcome to Local Gov Matters. I'm Michelle Thompson of the Wisconsin Counties Association. And I'm Gail Sumi of the League of Wisconsin Municipalities. Our guest today is Christina Boardman, Administrator of the Wisconsin Division of Motor Vehicles, the DMV. Another one of those acronyms. There's so many of them we are discovering in this podcast. Welcome, Christina. Thanks for having me. So, Christina, we're here today to talk about Real ID. But before we do that, let's talk about your job as the head of Wisconsin's DMVs. How many are there? We have about 90 locations throughout the state of Wisconsin in every Wisconsin county. So, um, in some counties have more than one location. Um, we do vehicle licensing as well as driver licensing at these locations. Um, but, of course, our main goal is to keep people out of our offices and, and put those... Um, transactions online so that people can do business whenever they want to. What are some examples of things that people can do online now? If people move, they can change their address online. They can also go on then, and if they change their address, they can update their voter registration. Mm. Um, you can renew your, your vehicle every year. You can do that online, um, and it's good as soon as you hit submit. So you don't need to worry about getting that sticker on because law enforcement will know that you're good. If you've lost so your product... So convenient. Yeah, I do that every year. If you've lost your product, you can order a duplicate DL or, or driver license or ID card online. Um, and something else that we do is called e-notify. So instead of getting waiting for notices in the mail, you can sign up um, to get your email address and we can text you or email you when something is due for renewal. And we can give you duplicate reminders on that just to make sure that you stay up to date. I do have to say the text messaging, I just had that happen for our son just got his driver's license, uh, um, a plate with renewal, and that text message came in more than once. That was a huge help. It's much easier than getting the one postcard that you stick on your fridge and trying to remember in the next 60 days to do that. Or in my right. case, goes under a giant pile of mail. Never exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Never to be seen again. Mine too. Christina, what do you think are the most important roles that the DMV is providing for our for our society? Well, we do recognize that in many ways we are the front door of state government. Everyone has business at the DMV for the most part at some point in their life, whether it's getting your first driver's license, getting an ID card. We have more than 5 million registered vehicles, and um, so we recognize that we are going to touch the lives of many people one way or another, and we want to um, recognize that and, and be a good service that way. Christina, you talked a little bit about electronic notification. What are some other things you've done to sort of maximize the user experience at the DMV? I know in the past, sort of, you know, people joke about, oh, I've got to go to the DMV, but I was there recently, and I have to say it was a very smooth process, and I was aware along the way what was going to be happening. 
That's great. We're happy to hear that. Well, it all starts online. If you go to wisconsindmv.gov, you figure out what transaction you need to do. Maybe you don't even need to come in, so that should be your first stop to see if you can take care of it online. If you do need to come in for a driver's license, we have to take your photo. Um, We have what's called a a driver license guide, and it really asks you some questions. It will run some verifications behind the scenes in advance to make sure that you're eligible to renew. You can even complete your application online and submit it electronically so you don't have to stand there while we key it in, and you can make an appointment at your local office. So we want to make sure that we're maximizing your time. If you can do a little bit of that data entry and research up, up before you come in, then we'll make sure that that visit once you're there is as is, is efficient as possible. We're all busy, so that is, that's great. Is there anything else we missed on that? Any, any favorite DMV stories? People who do road test examining always have the best stories, of course. I mean, because if we all think about when we first got our driver's license, I'm sure you remember being in the car taking your driving test. So we always talk about the fact that you are burning memories here. So make sure that (laughs) you make it a good one. You know, we can't pass everyone, but, you know, at least you're providing that advice on what needs to be worked on for the next time. So I, I did not pass my first time. In fact, um, I failed. Because, I think it was because I had to park on the hill in Port Washington, parallel park on the hill in Port Washington, <laughs> and it was just not going to happen. So I failed. But I did pass the second time. My daughter didn't pass on the first time. <laughs> As administrator of the DMV, she thought. <laughs> no pressure for nope. your daughter at That's all. That's okay. Oh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> My son just took his test about three weeks ago. He did pass on the first time, but it was amazing. The conversation with all of those kids, this is what you have to do. Did you get this person? Did you get that person? What is here? These are the auto fails. Do not do this. So it, there's a lot of conversations going on, and I think those people are probably saints that are taking these kids out for their driving I'm test. Sure they are. All day long. They work really hard. Let's transition here to talk a little bit about Real ID. In accordance with the Federal Real ID Act of 2005, if you plan to fly within the U.S., visit a military base or any other federal buildings, the Department of Homeland Security will require identification that is Real ID compliant, um, there or show another form acceptable form of identification, such as a passport, beginning October 1st of this year. Let's talk a little bit about that. Can you just start out, what is the history of it? Sure. This came out of the 9-11 Commission report. Um, The federal government wanted to look at what they could do to improve the licensing process, especially from state to state to state. Um, And so after that, some rules came out in 2005, the Real ID rules. Um, They put some deadlines out there, some of which got moved along the way, but they wanted to create sort of a Um, a base of what the standard is for driver licensing, understanding that states have their own laws and they can do things above and beyond that, but they wanted to do some standards, standard rules that our states are are abiding by. So it requires um, you to come in and pretty much you're like a brand new customer to us. You need to show your proof of name and date of birth. Oftentimes that's a a birth certificate. We need proof of your social security number. We need proof of your Wisconsin address. Um, If you are not a U.S. citizen but you're here legally, we need to um, get your documentation and we check that for your um, legal presence date. So it 
so everyone's playing by the same rules and, and working that way. You can only hold one real ID. So if you are moving from one state to another, there's communications that need to occur between those states to make sure that your previous real ID is canceled. Um, really, we want to get to the point where it's one driver, one license, one record. So several states are just getting started on this. When did you guys begin the process of becoming real ID compliant? I think about what a huge monumental task that must be for all of you. Sure. So the rules came out in 2005. Um, they changed a little bit along the way. Um, but Wisconsin, in knowing what the implementation dates were and when the feds were going to start requiring this, we went um, beginning in January 2013 is when Wisconsin started offering real ID compliant products. Statutes in Wisconsin allow for a compliant or non-compliant product, so you have a choice in Wisconsin. But we wanted to make sure that as we were letting our customers know at their normal renewal cycle that they had a, cha uh, a choice to make this time, and if you want to get the real ID um, compliant product, then these are the additional steps that you're going to have to take in terms of documentation before you come in. We didn't want to inconvenience people by having to make a, a separate trip outside of their normal renewal cycle. So January 2013 is when Wisconsin started. Many of the surrounding wow. states have um, just been at it a year or less. So knowing that the deadline is coming up this year, that's that's a lot of throughput at, through, right, through the offices right, if them. you're trying to get that real ID compliant product. So what would a, a reason be that someone would select a non-compliant ID? Is it just they wouldn't have the information with them or didn't want to, couldn't find it? What would some of those reasons be? Usually it's they're in the office, they, they know that their renewal date is that day or soon thereafter and they just don't want to take a return trip. We've been trying to work with our customers on that. If you come in and you don't have the documentation, again, we want to have a short conversation with you about the benefits of the Real ID license and we'll put a 60-day extension on your on your current product to give you that time to go back and get those things. So um, usually that's it. I know DMV is not the you know first place on the top of your list to go, but and once they're there, they usually just want to take care of it. But People have been much more receptive to it recently, knowing that they're hearing more about the federal deadlines. And I think anyone that's flown recently and did not have a Real ID compliant product, they are hearing from TSA, giving them that reminder that this particular product won't be accepted as of October 1. Is there a cost differential? Do you have to pay more for a Real ID? If you're coming in when you normally renew, there's no additional upcharge to get the Real ID. You just pay the normal renewal fee. But if you are coming in mid-cycle, then the, you're paying for the cost of a duplicate, which is approximately $14. Uh, okay. So in, some of this is a little repetitive, but I think it all bears repeating. So the, the difference, the real ID has a star, the regular ID, Wisconsin driver's license. What is the main difference with those? Is it just what we talked about with federal buildings or? Yeah. On the upper right-hand corner, it's either a gold and white star or a black and white star. They're both totally acceptable. We had a design change in there. Um, if you do not have a real ID compliance, it's going to say not for federal purposes. And that can be confusing for some people. So we, on our website, we want to let people know that this is what it's going to be marked if you're getting that non-compliant card. Um, it's still a real ID card. It's still a real driver's license. It's totally acceptable for all state purposes and accepted at banks, etc. We just want people to know if they're using it for federal purposes, it won't be accepted. Let's, we're going to get into this in a little bit here, Christina, but do you need a real ID to vote after this October 1st deadline? Absolutely not. That's been a, a point of confusion because we know that there's a few different things. There's the real ID going on with federal, 
but you also need an ID to vote in Wisconsin. You do not need a real ID to vote. Just like I said, your the driver license or ID card that's in your wallet that may not be compliant, it's still valid for all of those things. And knowing that you need to pull some documents together, which may require a fee to obtain, um, we don't want anyone that just needs their, their ID for voting to incur those fees. So the ID that you have currently, if you're not going to be using it for international or for you know traveling through the airport, then that is completely fine. You do not need to do anything else. So real ID has nothing to do with voting for an ID in Wisconsin. We're going to take a break here, and when we come back, we're talking with Christina Boardman of the Wisconsin DMV with Wisconsin Department of Transportation. We're going to be talking a bit about the process of how to get a real ID. The League of Wisconsin Municipalities advocates for Wisconsin cities and villages, large and small, urban and rural, speaking up for local democracy and common-sense citizen-led government. Learn more at lwm-info.org. Our guest today is Christina Boardman, Administrator of the Wisconsin Division of Motor Vehicles. So, Christina, let's talk about the process of getting a real ID. People need to bring in certain documents. You talked a little bit about those already. We talked about the fact that there's not an additional cost to get a real ID. What about people who get married and change their name? Do they need to bring anything in as proof of a name change? We do need to show documentation of um, a name change. So if you bring in your birth certificate that may have your maiden name, but you have since changed your name, um, we do need to make that connection. So bringing in your marriage certificate um, makes that bridge from your maiden name to your married name. And we do need to use the name that is on file with Social Security. So if you recently married and hasn't have not updated your name with Social Security, we would prefer that you do that first so that we can match all those records up. And Christina, does that copy of like your birth certificate, your marriage certificate, can be can it be a photocopy or does it need to be a notarized official copy from um, from the government? Oh, good question. Per the federal rules, it does need to be a certified copy of your birth certificate. Um, so it's not the the hospital one with your footprints on it. <laughs> oh, shoot. I love that one. <laughs> it has the seal on it. It's the government document. Um, so yes, I do know that's, that's a little bit trickier, but yes, per the federal rules, you need to bring in certified documentation. And this might be a silly question, but a lot of, some of this information, you need to get a passport. Can you bring in your passport and that will kind of negate the necessity for the other cards, your social security or your other cards? Well, for me, my passport is in my married name. So that was easier for me to just bring in a copy of my passport than I didn't need to show that change of, of name. And then I have to bring in proof of social security number, even though that's still another category. And there's like four um, specific documents that are allowed. Many people have their social security card. That works. And then you need to bring in proof of your Wisconsin address. If your current driver license or ID card has your current Wisconsin address on it, that works as well. So yes, um, the passport is, is a nice shortcut if it's already in your married name. Otherwise, if you have the birth certificate, you're going to have to make that bridge. I think that is good information to have too, because as I mentioned, I got my real ID probably about a month ago. Very right, easy right. process. And I did get a marriage certificate and I did bring in um, a couple other forms. I thought everything I own to right. prove that I am Michelle Thompson <laughs> is in my hands right now. Um, but in the end, as she had said, because my passport was in my married name, I didn't need to go and get the marriage certificate. And oh. I think of all of it, that 
that was, and it was very easy to do. It was just another step of on the checklist of what I had to go down. But I think that is a good good point to make. Does your name need to match exactly? For example, if some of your ID has your middle initial or your full middle name, does all of your ID have to match that? The real ID rules do want your full name. So um, on my product, it has my first, middle, and last name. Um, we, we do match social security, so we want to make sure that they have that same name on file. Um, if it's a middle initial versus the full name, I think for the real ID process, we have to collect that full middle name. Um, it should be okay if it's just a middle initial with social security. Okay. We're just doing a, a verification behind the scenes that that number belongs to that person. Well, why don't we include links in our podcast description to some of the places that you can get some of this Absolutely. documentation. Yeah, we I think will that put that really in the show helpful. notes for sure right, and a right. listing of what it is that people will need. Great. It could be a nice resource to have. Yep. So, Christina, you mentioned this a little bit before, but what if people move here from California, they want to get away from the nice weather and move into the Wisconsin <laughs> climate? What do people need to do for their identification at that point? So if you are moving here from another state, the process for a real ID is pretty much the same because you are authenticating yourselves as a brand new customer to Wisconsin. So you're having to show proof of name and date of birth, legal presence. Um, if you had a real ID in California, unfortunately, that real ID doesn't carry to Wisconsin. We still need to authenticate you with that documentation. Interesting. So, wow. What about seniors who no longer drive, but they still might be hopping on a plane and or you know, heading to Florida to be a snowbird or whatever that might be. Visit grandchildren, right. Yep. Yep. It's not just driver licenses. We have ID cards that, you know, non-driving ID cards, and you can get those as real ID compliant products as well. Excellent. And I know, Christina, we talked about this a little bit, but, you know, people like to have the shortest time possible in the DMV. Um, what can people do ahead of time to, to shorten up this process? You know, you'd mentioned this before, but some of the things that they can do online before or gather up. Yes, going to wisconsindmv.gov, that should always be your first step. Um, using our driver license guide, it will ask you a few personal questions to make sure that you're eligible for the product that you're indicating. It will even do a couple checks behind the scenes. It may check your social security number to make sure that there is that match already so you're not confronted with that when you're in the office. It will also show you the application and you can complete all of that information in advance and submit it electronically. So again, you're not waiting for us to type that while you're standing there or, or filling it out in pen at the office. And then um, again, the making an appointment has been very popular recently with our customers. You can figure out what office is your most convenient one, find a time that works for you, and then you just check in at the information desk and we um, give you expedited service up to the counter so that you can take care of that. I did not know that was an option. No, I didn't we either. We learned something right. new every day. That right. is, I would highly recommend that. <laughs> I can also make a point that online, if you look up the office that you're planning to visit, if they have a queuing service, you can see what the current wait time is there. Oh. So before you know going across town, you can see, well, if there's no wait now, maybe this is the time to go. If it's a long wait, maybe you want to hold on a little bit before you travel into the office. But we want you to be very transparent about what's going on in our offices at any given time. So it's nice that we can provide that service. So DMV in real time. Yes. Wow. <laughs> I love that. It sounds like a band. It does. <laughs> so Christina, October 1st is actually the year's already flying by. Are you concerned at all that people are going to, at the end of September, go, oh my gosh, what is this? What's this about? And there's going to be an influx? Or do you think, what is the rate of which people are doing this right now? Procrastination is real. Um, we, for all of us. For all right? of us. It's a thing. <laughs> we have found in January that our driver license... Um, 
seen about a 27% increase in, in customers coming into our office for driver's license products. So we are definitely seeing that increase. Um, we've been talking about it for a while, but you know, until Years. the deadline is like you know, in plain sight, people are not really taking it seriously. So yes, we are expecting more. Um, we do want to make it clear that having a real ID is not the only thing that will get you through the TSA checkpoint. If you have a passport, if you have a passport card, if you have a military ID, there is a list online with TSA of other federally acceptable documentation. So you don't need to panic and come in if you have something else that's acceptable. You just need to remember to take that with you to the airport. Oh, well, that's good to know. Many people don't travel domestically with their passport, but that right, will get you through right. security um, the same as your real ID will. I find when I travel, I become incredibly OCD, so I'm pretty sure I'm going to have my real ID and my passport right. just to be safe. <laughs> just in case. <laughs> Put a lot of antibacterial on and get a, go through the gates. take a break now and when we come back we're going to talk a bit about voting and real ID. Since 1935, the Wisconsin Counties Association has represented the interests of Wisconsin's 72 counties at both the state and federal level. Counties keep our roads safe, protect our citizens, maintain our parks, and perform countless other functions that make Wisconsin such a great place to live and work. As state and local governments evolve to meet the changing and diverse needs of our citizens, counties will continue to play a prominent role. Learn more at wicounties.org. Our guest today is Christina Boardman with the Wisconsin Department of Transportation, Administrator of the Wisconsin Division of Motor Vehicles. 2020 is obviously a big year for elections, and um, we wanted to ask you, voting and real ID, what's the nexus? Is there a connection at all? No. <laughs> so, all right. Next. That, good topic. Yeah. We're done with that one. You do not, so tell us more about yeah, that. You do not need a real ID to vote. Um, so let's just get that out there. You do not need a star on your product. Even if know. it says not for federal purposes, it is okay for voting in Wisconsin. So you do not need to do anything different. So that card that's in your wallet, it's still real, even though it doesn't have the star and it's absolutely valid for voting. So, and Christina, this might be another topic for another time, but what if people don't have the documentation to get a Wisconsin, a regular Wisconsin ID? Is there still something they can get to allow them to vote in our state? Absolutely. Voting is a right. We take that very seriously when we want to make sure that people have the ID that they need to vote in Wisconsin. So if you come into the um, your local DMV office and say, I need an ID for voting, you just can fill out a couple forms. If you have documentation, great. If you don't have it, we do not want you to incur any fees to track down that documentation. We will work with you to do that. It's called what's known as the ID petition process. So you fill out your ID card application, you fill out this petition process. The main thing is that if you don't have your birth certificate, we can work with vital records to track down that information. So we ask for some personal information, where you were born, et cetera, mother, father's name. Um, and then we will do that work behind the scenes. So we will contact vital records with that information. If we can get confirmation that your birth information is, is what you indicated on the list, then that's great. And we can move forward with the process. So Again, we want to make sure that no one is feeling like that is a burden. They come into the office, give us that information. We will give you a receipt that's good for voting uh -huh. in the meantime. 
because we, we have to do a few of those verifications before we mail out the card, but you will have a piece of paper with that receipt that's valid for voting in time of the election. So we do know we have four elections this year. The first right. one is coming up February 18th. If you come in the day before the election and say, I need an ID for voting, we will do that information. We will overnight you that receipt and so that you have that in time to vote the next day. Or even if you vote um, and come back in and let us know, we'll make sure that you have a receipt so you can file your provisional ballot. That's good to know. I, I did not know that. Learn something new every day. Absolutely. We should listen to our podcast yeah. to do that. <laughs> Is there a cost for that ID? The Absolutely not. Voting? No, no cost. It's free. And okay. Christina, I had seen there's a voter ID hotline. Is that through the DMV? And what can you talk just a bit about that? Sure. Yeah, we make sure that we have experts that understand the process of getting that ID for voting specifically. Um, and they are trained to answer those calls. So if you have any questions about what you need to get an ID, um, we will answer all of that as it regards to the ID. If it's about voting, we will transfer you over to the Wisconsin Elections Commission. So we work closely with them during during this time as well. So, um, yeah, we don't want you to make a, a needless trip to the office. If you have just a couple questions, please call us, and we're happy to talk that through, and we'll let you know about that petition process as well. And we'll be sure to get that 800 number into our show notes so people can, can right. find that and add right. it to their phone. Look there, yeah. Any other things that we want to talk about as it relates to IDs? Um, I, I would like to point out if you're over the age of 65, you can get a non-expiring ID. We've been talking about real ID and voting. That is perfectly good for voting because it's non-expiring. It is not real ID compliant. But we do know that some people, older people, just want their ID for voting. They don't want to have to keep coming into the office. So we do offer that non-expiring if you're 65 or older. Also, with ID cards, every eight years, you can um, you can renew that online every other time. So if you come in, you get your ID card, you don't need to come back to our office really for 16 years. So we want to make that as easy as possible. And if you're over 65 and you need your ID when you get carded at the grocery store when you're buying your beer, <laughs> absolutely, also very yeah, important. So right, the 17-year-old right. guy can make you feel better about yourself. Exactly, right. <laughs> So, Christina, we talked a little bit about taking the road test and those angels at the DMV that get in cars with 15 or 16-year-old teenage girls and boys to take those tests. How many people are taking the road test each year at the DMV? And I'm assuming there are also many people that maybe are older that just haven't taken it yet. Yeah, in 2019, we... um did 107,000 road tests. Wow. So there's about a 72% pass rate. So um, you know? some of those are going out a second time. Many people that are 16 years of age and have had driver's ed and had behind the wheel, they do a pretty good job on those road tests. If you're over the age of 18, you are not required to take driver's ed. And so sometimes we find that the fail rate is a little bit higher if they haven't had that training ahead of time. But um, yeah, 107,000 road tests in 2019. So that's a lot of trips around the block to a lot of <laughs> check your around mirrors. The, block. <laughs> <laughs> the behind the wheel, the all of the things I was looking at my son's um, things from his classroom, there's a lot of information that has to be covered. So I would, I would guess that if you have not taken any classes and you're older, that it would be a little more difficult to pass that. Yeah, you come in and you take the knowledge test in our offices, then you can get your permit. You just have to hold that for seven days. So um, we do find if you practice longer than seven days, <laughs> you do a better job on that road <laughs> test. But This is why I've got the St. Christopher Medal clipped on my kid's That's car. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I may or may not have sprinkled it with holy water. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> to wonder, you know, develop, you develop bad habits over a lifetime of driving. 
I wonder if I've developed some bad habits that perhaps would make me fail the road test at this point in my life. We see that, you know, and technology changes in the cars and people, you know, most of the time that is all for enhanced safety, which is great. But we do know that people need to still look behind them, do those road checks. They can't always know that their backup camera is working completely accurately. Um, So we do work with people on that. Um, And the other thing that we do for parents that are coming in, we have what's called a parent supervised drive guide. So when your um, child is getting their permit, we kind of walk through you as as the parent. What are some behaviors we want to make sure that you're modeling? What are things that we're going to be using when we go for taking the test to to preview that? So you're spending some time in the car with them, getting their their hours of driving. um, Both some very tense time. I was going to say, and those are some harrowing moments. Oh my god! I very calmly would tell my son, "You're going to want to slow down. You're going to want. You're going to want to. You're going to want to." Slow down. Joseph, slow it down. <laughs> My husband was better at that. Yeah, I, I, I offloaded that. <laughs> it is That's what we did in our family, too. My husband handled all of that. It was, it was better. So, Christina, can you tell us your job? It sounds amazing, the amount of things that you cover with what you do. What is your favorite part of your job? Well, there's about 800 people that work for the DMV, and I am um, thrilled to work with really such a great group of people that love serving the public. When we are interviewing people, we're really looking for, we can train you on all the things to do, but um, we have so many people working for us that just really enjoy talking to the public, talking to them face-to-face, and it's really a thrill to be able to see all those people working every day and feeling so passionate about doing things to improve highway safety and, and saving lives and being a steward of, we bring in a lot of money, about a billion dollars a year, um, and taking those responsibilities so seriously. Seriously. So it's really my pleasure to to be around the people that I work with every day. So Christine, as I mentioned, I just got my real ID and I'm wondering my photograph, I'm not super happy with it. Do you recommend people smile or not smile on their driver's license? Should they look more serious or look like they are so happy that they have just gotten their real ID? Why would you not be happy to be at the real <laughs> ID? I mean, it's hard to hold that back. You know, you are absolutely allowed to smile in Wisconsin for your driver's license photo. You know, when you get your passport, you cannot smile. So, you know, that driver's license, we want to be able to show that joy. Bring out your shine and your joy for sure. (laughs) That concludes this Local Gov Matters 2.0 podcast. Thank you so much to our guest, Christina Boardman, Administrator of the Wisconsin Division of Motor Vehicles with the Wisconsin DOT. We encourage you to check our podcast show notes for links to the resources that were mentioned in today's podcast. You can find Local Gov Matters on your favorite podcast app. From iTunes to Podbean to Stitcher. You can also link to the podcast from the WCA and the League homepages. Thanks to our community radio partners who broadcast the podcast on their radio stations in Oshkosh, Rice Lake, Wapaka, and Sun Prairie. And as always, we encourage you to contact us with ideas for podcast topics. And we will see you next time on Local Local Gov Matters. Matters.